first paper of the next session is going to be by Pragna uh, Kaveri ji. Uh, uh, she is going to present her paper on achieving self-sufficiency with cows at the core of Indic ecology. Yes. Uh, namaste, everyone. Uh, very happy to present uh, this paper on achieving self-sufficiency with cow at the core of Indic ecology. Uh, it's, I consider it an esteemed uh, honor to present at this esteemed conference and thank you for the opportunity. So this paper is co-authored by myself and Venkatapati Subramanian from Anadi Foundation. So this will be the broad structure of the presentation today. We will start with the current context of sustainable development and see what an important role indigenous knowledge systems and native cultures have in contributing to the larger goal of sustainable development. We will look at references from the Rig Veda and other uh, Puranas and Itihasas uh, on Gomata. And we will look at cow-centric sustainability in terms of how Gomata or cow can be central in achieving sustainability along multiple dimensions, such as food security, be it soil rejuvenation, plant health, planetary health, and so on. In terms of energy production, uh, like biogas, electricity, and fuel for transportation, and eco-construction as well. So this is basically a paper that is going to call for the rediscovery of Gomata and her potential to contribute to the larger goal of sustainable development. So in the current context of sustainable development, the blueprint that we follow is the Agenda 2030, right, which is based on United Nations 17 sustainable development goals. Though these goals are quite comprehensive, they have little or no focus on traditional knowledge systems. And uh, in every native indigenous culture, we see that livestock has played a central role, uh, not just in terms of ensuring the well-being of populations in terms of their physical health, but also in terms of societal, environmental, and other economic aspects as well. History is abound with uh, numerous uh, illustrations and examples of the same. Right now, when we talk about sustainability, we usually talk about uh, improving our technology, making it more green, uh, reducing emissions, and so on. Uh, but there is a lot of potential that native and local traditional systems hold with their low cost and zero emission technologies. We will also be looking at a few of those examples. So the paper is basically a case uh, that is to adopt cow as the central aspect of sustainability. A small example of how cows are absent in the current sustainability dialogue is recently by UN FCCD, there was a uh, report that was submitted on global soil carbon. So not once in the entire report, there is any mention of cow-based agriculture, though huge populations depend on cow for agriculture and it forms the backbone of agricultural systems and soil health. There is not one uh, mention of cow-based agriculture or manures in the report. So that also talks about the amount of disconnect that uh, exists between successful uh, traditional uh, sustainability systems and larger global goals and uh, the methods and frameworks that are adopted there. Another interesting case is that in 2018, there was a report that was published that spoke about uh, the diminished bison population and the impact it had on Native Americans. And it highlighted how the speed at which bisons were slaughtered by colonizers significantly reduced the living conditions of Native Americans. So by living conditions, one parameter that was measured was uh, the average height of the people who lived uh, during that period. So as, an, as a consequence of diminished bison population, the tallest of humans were reduced to some, some among the shortest of humans. So that was the amount of consequence uh, that was there. 
and bisons were also a lot of studies shows that bisons contribute to several ecosystem functions such as preservation of certain species ensuring biodiversity and so on so just to get a little uh, sense of uh, when we talk about slaughtering of native uh, species within a year of 20 uh, within a time duration of 20 years uh, the bison population was reduced from 10 million to just 500 so that speaks a lot about uh, uh, at what rate uh, Uh, these indigenous native species of bisons were slaughtered even today if we look at global human population we are just around 7 trying to reach 8 billion people but the amount of uh, food or the amount of animals that we grow for consumption just human consumption is somewhere around 70 billion uh, animals per year and uh, they are also a huge cause for um, greenhouse gas emissions especially with methane so uh, this also illustrates how modern lifestyle is leading to a lot of uh, destruction in ecology and uh, many other aspects are a threat to most other beings in the uh, on the planet so in the uh, indian tradition uh, there is no doubt that cows have assumed the uh, most central role in fact we don't refer to them as cows we refer to them as go mata so go mata means uh, cow mother right so there is a lot of deep reverence and a spiritual connect that has been established in the indian tradition uh, the reference to go as go, go mata is not just because we drink her milk we grow up uh, you know depending on her milk for our growth but also because of a lot of other spiritual aspects uh, involved as well uh, it's very interesting to note that uh, in ancient india the measure of wealth would be uh, measure of wealth or uh, social status of a person would be depending on the number of cows he owned even kingdoms would, uh, the prosperity of kingdoms would, would also be measured based on how many uh, goshala the uh, goshalas they had and the number of cows and the health of the cows um, that uh, uh, each kingdom had so there are also many references of kingdoms uh, you know stealing uh, each other's cows after uh, a war so that's how important uh, cows were and cows were always associated with prosperity and richness so these are two words that um, uh, come to your mind when you read any uh, indian literature so in this presentation we will be looking at references uh, from uh, vedas from mahabharata we will also be looking at local knowledge systems with regard to cow and we will also be looking at their larger role in sustainable development so these are some references so there are innumerable references this is one reference from um, the rigveda uh, i'd go on to read this may the supreme lord complemented by all gods create auspiciousness and spacious cowsheds for our happiness and populate them with cows and calves let us rejoice the cow wealth and content by serving those cows so you can see that cow and wealth are mentioned together in this um, particular reference and the next one in atharvana veda goes on to say that the devas and people live on cow products till the sun shines cows will remain everything in this universe is supported by the cow so now we go on from cow to cow based products so you can see that devas and people live on cow products so cows were not just considered very important in the manushya loka but also were considered very important across loka so you can see all kinds of beings um, worshiping and uh, holding the cow at a very very high uh, pedestal of reverence so in the mahabharata there are again many references in the markandeya samasya parva of vanaparva ma saraswati 
to Tarkshya, who is a Brahmana, goes on to uh, list out various boons and uh, uh, goodness that would be bestowed upon a person who takes care of cows. So um, a charity is a sort of a reductionist word to use for dana, but Godana has been uh, a very, very central aspect in the Indian tradition. Uh, Godana refers to donating cows, especially done by kings and others to Brahmanas and other uh, people who are knowledge seekers. So towards the end, we'll also look at how Gona, Godana to, um, for example, a Gurukula would also ensure that all the needs of the Gurukula are taken care of by the presence of that cow. Those who donate cattle attain the supreme world. By donating bulls, one roams in the world of the sun. By giving garments, one goes to the world of the moon. So you can see garments are not as high, you know, donating garments are not, not considered as high, not even close to uh, donating uh, a cow. By giving gold, one attains the immortals. If one gives away a good cow that is easily milked and gives birth to fine calves, one that does not stray, one lives for as many years in heaven as there are countable body hairs on this person. One who donates a strong, young and skilled bull that has infinite strength and is capable of carrying burdens and drawing a plow obtains the world that is obtained by donating 10 cows. So you can see that various functionalities of a cow are also enlisted here with regard to giving milk, giving calves, plowing the land and so on. So in the Mahabharata, there is a particular subparva called Goshayatra Parva. So in this parva, you can see that Kauravas, along with a huge number of people, go on a Goshayatra. So Goshayatra are undertaken to take a census of the cows in the kingdom. So they would measure the number of cows that are present. They would classify those cows according to their age and their different stages of growth. There is also one more story in the Mahabharata. It's a particular instance where a sort of a helpless Brahmana comes to Arjuna and then requests Arjuna to see, he seeks Arjuna's help in securing his cows that are stolen away from him. So Arjuna uh, and all the other Pandavas have a basic understanding that each one would not enter um, you know, uh, each other's palace when they are uh, with Draupadi alone. So if you do that, you, if, they, if any of them were to do that, that would result in a long period of Vanavasa. But Arjuna, without a second thought, to secure the cows that were stolen, he decides to go and get his bow and arrow from the palace where Yudhishthira and Draupati are uh, present. And this also makes him go on a long period of Vanavasa. So uh, that's the amount of importance Arjuna gives to a cow. At the cost of going to Vanavasa, he decides to immediately take action and save the cow. In Bhagavata and in Mahabharata, there are descri beautiful descriptions of huge goshalas with lakhs of cows uh, owned by different uh, kings in their kingdoms. So Nanda Gopa, who is the father of uh, Lord Sri Krishna, is said to have nine lakh cows in his goshala. So one can imagine the grandeur and it's not a small gosha we are, uh, goshala we are talking about with 10 cattle. It's nine lakh cows, which is almost like an entire uh, population. So that would also involve various administrative aspects like people who take care of their cows, their families. All of them were given very high uh, importance in the Mahabharata as well as in many um, Indic references that we see. So uh, in the current context, when we talk about uh, cows, uh, a major um, you know, a cause of worry is the decline in native cow population. Because a lot of studies right now show that uh, a native cow dung and a foreign breed is not the same. They don't have the same impact on uh, the land. They also don't have produce the same quality of milk. 
so um, you, if you can see at one point in time, there were 111 varieties of cattle, which is now reduced to almost around 41. The main reason for this is right now cow, when we say cow, the uh, direct association is only with its milk. So a lot of emphasis was uh, placed on producing high milk yield, uh, yielding varieties of cows, which is one of the major causes for this decline in native cow population. So native cow populations have a lot of other advantages, like they're robust, they can stand in a sun for a long period of time. Their cow dung is uh, much more rich in uh, a lot of uh, uh, beneficial microbes, and uh, the quality of their milk is also much superior compared to a uh, Jersey cow and so on, which now a lot of current um, scientific research is showing. Uh, so one particular research also showed the correlation between A1 milk, which is basically a Jersey cow's milk, with uh, increased uh, heart diseases in many affluent countries. So um, another may, um, uh, component is uh, the role of cows and cow-based products in Vedic rituals. For example, Agnihotra um, is a offering that is done four times a day and cows are an important part of this offering cow based products are an important like cow dung cow ghee is used we also apply the sacred ash vibhuti on our forehead which is also derived from the cow dung and uh, a lot of ayurvedic remedies also depend on cow urine and cow dung for their functioning uh, bhasma scientifically is also found bhasma is uh, derived after uh, burning or breaking down of cow dung and that also research also shows that basma breaks down heavy metals in the body and is very useful in a lot of therapeutic uh, purposes so now we'll move on to looking at how cows when we talk about self-sufficiency or uh, when we talk about sustainability the main component at least now we understand is that self-reliance and self-sufficiency becomes very important to reduce dependence and to reduce carbon emissions in the whole transportation and other processes so the more self-reliant and self-sufficient a system is the more sustainable it is so now we look at how cows uh, can be used for uh, um, local energy production in terms of biogas, bioenergy, and so on. So cow dung is called gover. So var means boon. So cow dung is referred to as gover, uh, meaning that it is a uh, var given by gomata. It's a boon from gomata. And there is no doubt about it because uh, cow can also be used to satisfy all our energy needs. So this is a picture of a biogas plant that we use uh, at Anadi Foundation. So this basically takes care of the cooking needs uh, per day for at least uh, a family of people uh, living there. So at least five to 10 people, cooking needs, simple cooking needs are taken care of. And this severely reduces our dependence on fossil fuel based energy or, uh, you know, LPG, or even in a lot of rural areas, uh, popularly fuel wood, uh, wood is used for burning and then producing uh, cooking gas. So, you know, the need for that is slowly eliminated. So the main reason why cow dung, of course, um, Biogas can be produced with uh, uh, fruit peels, vegetable peels, and other uh, manures as well. But the main reason why cow dung is superior is that because they have highly efficient methanogenic bacteria. So the decomposition of the uh, whole process produces um, uh, biogas, which is 50 to 70% methane. And then, of course, it has carbon dioxide and a lot of water vapors and other uh, components. There are many successful models that have been implemented, not just on a small scale, but on a large scale across India. One such is the example of SKG Sangha, uh, who they and as an organization, they've installed uh, more than 1,60,000 uh, biogas plants across India. And um, 
This also benefits the rural populations uh, heavily. And uh, the main idea of using cow dung for energy or biogas generation is that we try to become self-sustainable and slowly move away from the whole uh, fossil fuel-based um, industry. Can cow dung be used for electricity generation? Yes. Uh, a lot of research is, uh, research is being done along these lines today. And uh, uh, it, it, it's also shown that just having two to three cows can take care of, a lot of studies are being done. And just having two to three cows can take care of the energy needs of a house with just a simple tube light fan. Energy needs of a house can also be taken care of using cow dung. Cow dung also finds uh, active use in eco-construction. So uh, why does that become important in the context of sustainability? Cement is the second most uh, used or most consumed resource after uh, water globally today. And uh, the construction industry alone contributes to over 39% of greenhouse gas emissions. So that is a very, very important area when we talk about sustainability to reduce emissions along those lines. And for that, cow dung has been traditionally used for a long time, um, mainly along two construction technologies. One is cob construction, which is essentially a mixture of local soil, straw and clay along with cow dung and uh, adobe, which is basically sun-dried bricks. So the picture you're seeing right now on the screen is a picture of a 450 square feet mud house that we built entirely using locally available materials. And that would not have been possible without uh, adding materials like uh, cow dung, because cow dung is a central component because of its property to act as a soil stabilizer. So research shows that adding cow dung to soil increases its compressive strength, uh, decreases its permeability to water, and erosion and also minimizes cracking that is formed. So this is entirely uh, built using um, mud, cow dung uh, and other local uh, herbs and other additives. And uh, one important aspect of uh, uh, cow dung based construction is that it's not just the raw materials or materials that we use in construction that are sustainable, it also reduces the energy efficiency of the building because um, cow dung is set to, uh, uh, along with, mixed with mud when used for construction reduces the energy needs of the building because it has a very good thermal mass. So in summers, uh, it's also been a personal observation that in summers, the house is much cooler and in winters, the house is slightly warmer. So uh, I think this would have also been most of um, uh, your experience if you visit a mud house in a village. And uh, the beauty of such simple uh, construction technologies is that all the materials that are used are local. So it also, um, it's also less expensive because cement is of course expensive. So it reduces uh, the amount that has to be invested in the building and it also reduces emissions to a large extent. So uh, again, there is um, research conducted in uh, finding out what is the ideal combination of cow dung is to uh, mud that can be used for construction and this is gaining popularity. So of course, to build huge uh, uh, bridges or to build uh, huge buildings, cement, uh, you know, is not really, one cannot really get away without using cement. But when we talk about rural construction, when we talk about construction of small houses in villages, there is definitely no need uh, for, you know, using um, cement because cow dung uh, is a very, very good uh, alternative. The other is also with regard to plastering, both exterior, interior, as well as floor plastering. Cow dung and cow urine are actively used as disinfectants as they keep away termites and a lot of other uh, insects that um, usually come uh, on the floor when only mud is used. And uh, they also uh, prevent uh, crack formation. So cow dung and cow urine are extensively used in traditional uh, natural construction technologies. 
So um, the third component now that we've looked at energy and construction, the third, which is the most important component is food security. So in the past 150 years alone, we've lost over 50% of the global topsoil. And the main reason for this is because uh, of intensive chemical-based agriculture, which basically strips the soil of its nutrients, kills all the microbes, and it's not sustainable long-term because it leads to large-scale degradation and desertification of the soil. So this is where, when we talk about indigenous systems of agriculture, uh, right now it's not possible to use traditional because traditional refers to chemical-based farming, but, um, Indigenous and local systems of agriculture, which have a cow dung and cow urine at its core and a lot of fermented products that are created with it, have a lot of potential to rejuvenate uh, and replenish the soils that have lost its soil fertility and to increase crop yield and boost agricultural productivity, thereby securing, uh, you know, the country's uh, national food security. So uh, there are two major texts uh, which speak about the use of cow dung in agriculture. One is uh, Surapala's Vriksha Ayurveda, which is a scientific text on the science of plant life. And it deals with various aspects of plant growth, plant physiology, propagation, uh, different diseases that, might, um, that a plant might have and uh, treatment, and also the different soil types. So in this text, uh, soil, uh, cow dung is mentioned as being used in different stages of a plant's growth. For example, uh, to treat seeds, uh, to grow, uh, you know, from stem cutting when plants are grown, even there, uh, cow dung is applied across in many stages of plant growth, cow dung finds uh, extensive mention. Krishi Parashara is another ancient manual of agriculture, which highlights the importance of producing manure from cow dung to achieve good yields along with the, it lists out also the various of preparation of these uh, manures. So cows have been uh, central to the Indian system of sustainable and regenerative agriculture. So what we mean by regenerative agriculture is that once a crop cycle is over, cow dung has the potential to re-equip uh, the soil with the necessary nutrients, uh, microbes, and uh, qualities for the soil to become rich and fertile again. So uh, some among the major reasons why cow dung and cow urine are used in agriculture is that it is used to promote plant growth. It boosts plants immunity. It also improves soil health. So when we look at chemical based agriculture, you produce, uh, you provide the plant with um, nutrients directly and you degrade the soil in the long term. Uh, but when we talk about cow based agriculture, it is both beneficial for the plant as well as for the soil. And it also, of course, increases crop productivity and yield. Uh, some among the major uh, fermented products uh, that are used are Panchagavya, Jeevamrita, Amrit Sanjeevini, and Bijamrita. These are also now becoming popular thanks to Subhash Palekarji's uh, method of zero-budget natural farming, um, which is also referred to as spiritual farming, which uh, doesn't look at agriculture or the process of growing in a very reductionist, you know, NPK way, but looks at other larger processes. And in Subhash Palekar's method, native cow dung and cow urine form a central uh, aspect. Uh, so just to give a few examples of how uh, Ajit, how, uh are you moving yes. conclusion now yes uh, conclusion and i i'll end it in 3 minutes yeah uh, you are uh, this is very good this is a very important paper but uh, yes. we are running uh, absolutely time, yes so sure i'll end it in the next 3 minutes thank you so um i'll Hurry up with the slide. So Bijamrit is largely used to treat seeds and uh, scientific studies also, also show how they um, increase in uh, more germina germination rate. Panchagavya is one of the most popular fermented products, which is used, uh, which is prepared using five major components from cows, which is cow dung, cow urine, uh, ghee, 
curd and milk in decreasing proportion along with jaggery and ripe bananas so all of these are locally available uh, uh, materials uh, i mean if there is a cow all of these are very easily uh, ca you ca can be derived from the cow and it is applied in a very diluted state at 3% and it takes 21 days to ferment and uh, studies have shown that foliar application of panchagavya to chili uh, produce highest plant height early flowering highest number of flowers number of fruits highest yield per hectare and so on so this is just one example of a study there are innumerable studies that are being conducted today to uh, that further strengthen the link between cow based agriculture and um, plant product uh, productivity i'd like to this is the last component we'll be looking at which is the potential of uh, climate uh, cow based agriculture as a potential climate change mitigation tool so um, uh, cow manure, uh, when you apply it to the soil, it increases the soil organic uh, carbon. So one of the major reasons for climate change is that there is a lot of carbon dioxide that is emitted into the atmosphere. So soil is uh, soil can either be a carbon sink or a carbon uh, source, both. So in um, um, unsustainable agricultural practices lead to all of the stored carbon in um, soil being emitted into the atmosphere that further accelerates climate change. So a lot of studies is being conducted these days to show that how a cow manure can sequester and help the soil sequester back carbon into the uh, soil uh, uh, sink. So I think these are also very important studies that show the potential. I think uh, it's also so more such studies will further um, reestablish the connection between cow-based agriculture or any other aspect of cow-based uh, economy with larger problems like climate change and global warming and cow-based um, uh, solutions can be a very potent tool. So. Um, I, uh, these are some of the examples that we uh, we have personally tried at Anadi Foundation as well. One is natural farming using cow-based products in eco-construction. This is the 450 square feet space uh, mud house that we built, uh, experimenting on biogas. And we could also directly see a relation between cow-based manure and you know the number of earthworms and uh, rich microbes that are produced in um, the soil and uh, now that the whole um, i'd like to conclude uh, this uh, presentation by uh, calling for the need to rediscover gomata for atmanirbhar bharat or for a self-reliant india so when we say self-reliant india we need to strengthen local knowledge systems and practices and uh, become a little freer and freer from fossil fuel based uh, industries and petrochemicals for which uh, there cannot be a better solution uh, than gomata and uh, it, it's not even a secret because when we look at any Vedic literature or references, it's abound with um, the greatness of Gomata. And uh, we definitely need to move towards a more prosperous, inclusive, rich India. And for that, Gomata definitely is at the core. So, uh, Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Pragnaji. That was a very, very important paper for an Indic uh, conference. Uh, we all know how important cow is for us uh, for, from an Indic environmentalism point of view. And this has been brought out very well in a very scientific way, in a very logical way through the presentation uh, in all its aspects. 